1: God's word teaches us we lean into that, but how we lean into that and embrace the struggle is by finding hope in Jesus Christ. He is our deliverer. Church, I want you to know that. He
0: is our deliverer. Welcome to the Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: You ever feel like you're torn? Like there's a constant struggle within you? Maybe you would even say a, a battle is raging. You know what you should do, but you don't do it. There's a you you wish you were, and then there's a you that lives in this world. Maybe you're familiar with the famous story written by Robert Louis Stevenson. It's called The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know... A little bit about it I assume there are two characters in this story Dr. Jekyll who is a contributing member of society and Mr. Edward Hyde who is a murderous criminal and so this lawyer throughout the story seeks to understand the striking similarities between the two only to uncover that this is the same person in one moment he's Dr. Jekyll in another, he's Mr. Hyde. I find myself feeling that way. Feeling like I'm at war within myself. And that should not surprise me because the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6 that there is a war that is waging. And it's not a physical scene war. It's a war in the spiritual realm. That's also how the Apostle Paul felt. And in fact, in the most famous verse in this passage that we're going to read today in Romans chapter 7. This is what he says in verse 15. I I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Do you ever feel that way? Like, God, I I know I'm following you. I I, I know I've given my life to you. I know if this world were to end, I would go to heaven. and, And yet inside of me is this battle We all have moments, even as a child of God, when we feel like the battle is raging. If it could be true of the Apostle Paul, you better believe it's true of us. That means even those who follow the best may struggle the most. And the struggle affects our thinking. We begin thinking wrongly. And I would suggest to you that that's that's one of the biggest tools in the arsenal of our enemy. He wants to get you thinking wrong, not just acting wrong. If you act wrong, then all you have to do is act right to get back in line. But if you think wrong, you may not even know you're acting wrong. So what does he do? He begins to make us maybe think like perfectionists so we we see what needs to be done we we know who we should be and and so we live a never-ending effort to to be something we'll never live up to or we think judgmentally we find ourselves looking down our sinful noses at the sins of others as if they're more sinful than ours When this bad thinking gets to the extreme, it could even cause us to get to a point of self-harm. I've seen this in 30 years of ministry. People get to a point where they think, I can never live up. I can never beat this sin. So I'm just going to take my life. See, if you don't understand this struggle, there's all kinds of problems. So uh, that leads me to help you think about Today's one thing, the one thing I want you to walk out of here with that is life-changing, we're going to draw from this passage, and then we'll unpack it. Here's the one thing. Every Christ follower struggles with sin, but God's Word teaches us to embrace the struggle by finding our hope in Jesus Christ. He is our deliverer. I want you to say that last sentence with me. He is our deliverer. Let's say that. He is our deliverer. So let's talk about that, but first, let's pray about it once more. Father, again, in the name of Jesus, here we are, listening. So speak, give us what we need that we don't have. Teach us what we've not yet learned, but we desperately need to know and make us new. In fact, Lord, specifically today, we would pray, deliver us. Jesus, just as you taught us to pray in that model prayer, would you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So Lord, let the words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you, my strength, my redeemer. And oh God, would you do that greatest act of deliverance in someone's life today? Would you deliver someone unto yourself? Through salvation, Jesus. And I ask this in your mighty name. Amen. We're going to walk through this entire chapter, but let's begin in verse 12. So Romans chapter 7, verse 12. You want to follow along in your copy of scripture, whether a written copy or electronic copy, that helps you know I'm not making this up. It allows you to test what the preacher is saying up against the word of God. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. So then... Well, this is one of those moments where we probably should stop. Because when we see a therefore or when we see so then, we know that's pointing back to something else. So, what is it pointing back to? It points back to the previous verses and and what the previous verses were discussing the law, the law of God. Remember, Romans is not a book, it's a letter. And it's not written to a random segment of society. It's written to a specific group of people, Christ followers in the church at Rome that the apostle Paul was writing to. And he was writing to them because they were struggling to understand this salvation that they had in Jesus Christ. They looked to what Jesus had done, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They understood their need for forgiveness, but they were people of the law. And so they were trying to balance, what does it mean to look to Jesus and trust him completely, but yet follow the law? How do I balance law and grace? So in Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul is dealing with this balancing act, right? Romans chapter 6 reminds us that we're dead to sin. And because we're dead to sin, we can rest in the grace of God. Of God. But Romans chapter 7 is telling us that we're dead also to the law. So, how do you balance that? You don't have the liberty or license to do whatever you want, but you also understand that salvation is not found by just behavior modification, just by following the laws of God. So, he begins chapter 7 by reminding them they're dead to the law. Now, he does this with an interesting analogy. He talks about marriage. If you were here last week, I I illustrated that how when you marry someone, when you stand and you pledge those vows to each other, I promise to love and to honor, to comfort and cherish and sickness and health, poverty and wealth, forsaking all others, keeping only to you as long as we both shall live. When you do that, you're marking a change of allegiance in your life. You no longer are free to do what you want. Your allegiance is to that person. What happens if that person dies? Well, in the eyes of the law, and the Bible teaches us even in the eyes of God, that bond is broken. If you're a man and your wife dies, you're no longer bound just to that woman. If you're a woman and your husband dies, you're you're no longer bound. So Paul then goes on to say, you were bound to the law. You were married to the law. But when you looked to Christ, you died to the law now you are married to christ part of what he's asking and i ask you what are you married to what's controlling you where is your allegiance in your life let's continue look at verse 12 so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy righteous and good Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I'm calling this message, Embrace the Struggle. Because we have to begin at a point where we recognize we're all in this struggle. As the hashtag says, the struggle is real. So how do we embrace this struggle? We have to understand why we struggle. So let me give you three reasons we struggle straight out of this passage, Romans 7. Number one, we struggle because of what we know about the law. We struggle because of what we know about the law. Did you hear what Paul said in verse 14? We know the law is spiritual. What else do we know? Well, verse 12 tells us we know that the law is holy and the law is righteous and the law is good. The law is good? Yeah. That's what God's Word wants you to understand. Well, why is the law good? Well, well, first let me tell you how we look at the law. Remember the analogy I gave you last week of well, what if I were driving down Bush Boulevard and I was in a hurry and, and so I, I let my pedal hit the floor and say I was 120 or 140 swerving in and out of lanes and I got pulled over by Officer Wayne and 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 all of a sudden uh, Officer Wayne looked at me and said, hey, Pastor Paul, good to see you. Uh, you were breaking what? the The law. What if I said... Wayne, the law is crazy the law is silly i don't like the law well that would not help my case and yet that's how some of us look at the laws of god hi i'm paul purvis the lead pastor of mission hill church right here in tampa bay thanks for taking the time to listen to today's the barnabas effect it's a ministry intended to encourage equip and empower you That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to the Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. This passage tells us that we look at the law of God as good. Why? Number one, because the law is the word of God. You do understand that everything you have here is the word of God and it's perfect and true. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. The law is the word of God. I can't just ignore the law because God spoke the law into existence. And so what that means is the second thing, the law reflects the nature of God. When I look at the law, I'm reminded of who God is. Who is God? God is holy. God is righteous. God is true, right? We even sing that in the hymn. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And so when I see the high standards of the law, I'm just reminded of the God that I worship. He's a holy God. The law points us to God. But then the law also exposes our sin, doesn't it? We realize that unlike God, we're not good. I don't know that until I see the law. If I didn't know there was a speed limit, I wouldn't think there's anything wrong with going 120 or 140 down Bush Boulevard. But because I know the law, I can recognize when I'm breaking the law. So one reason the law is good It's because the law reminds us that we are not. So we struggle because of what we know about the law. But there's a second thing. Paul reminds us we struggle because what we know about ourselves. What do we know about ourselves? Well, we know we are sinful, carnal, and difficult people. Remember what it says in verse 14? We know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Now, that's not something we repeat often in church. What does it mean we are unspiritual? Well, we know we break the law. Paul even talks about that. He he talks about the reality that he saw the law and recognized he broke the law. Did you know that surveys say that most people think you're going to be okay if you just follow the Ten Commandments? Most people think they'll go to heaven if you just follow the Ten Commandments. But the same surveys say... Most people can't name a commandment. Isn't that interesting? You can't obey or you can't keep what you don't know. We know the law, but we recognize the law can't save us. It just shows us we need to be saved. That's why the more Paul understood the law, the more he saw what a sinner he was. It exposed his sin. It showed him his need. And so he would eventually say, I'm the chief of sinners. How do we know we're unspiritual? Because the law exposes our sin. Let's go back to verse 7. Look at what it says. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin is. Seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting for apart from the law sin was dead and once I was alive apart from the law but when the commandment came sin sprang to life and I died I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death for sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. And this is one of those passages in the Bible, if you just read it through one time, you're like, yes, uh, what did that say? And so let's, let's just talk about it a little more. What is this saying? It's reminding us that the law speaks not just of external behavior, but also internal attitudes. I, I know this because Paul says, I wouldn't have even really begun to understand the law if it had not been for that last commandment. Again, I'm not going to ask you if you know the Ten Commandments, but the last one is, thou shalt not what? Covet. Now think about that. If I kill somebody, other people are going to know it. If I commit adultery, other people are going to know it. If I lie, the Bible says what we cover will one day be uncovered, other people are going to know it. And that's true of all the commandments because they're reflected of external behavior until you get to number ten. And I can covet, and nobody know it. But what Paul said, this internal attitude of disobedience will ultimately reveal itself outwardly. So here you are. You find yourself as one who knows the law, and yet you find yourself breaking the law. Remember who's writing this. It's the Apostle Paul. What was his resume concerning the law? One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Philippians chapter 3. Paul's going to tell us to press on. But before he does that, he says this in verse 5. I was circumcised when I was eight days. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. Sounds kind of humble there, doesn't he? I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law. What? Without fault. That's what Paul is saying about himself. And yet here he's saying it wasn't enough. I'm always going to fall short even Paul found himself deceived by sin it's a struggle isn't it isn't it and it drives us crazy look at what he goes on to say in verse 15 i think you can relate to these verses i do not understand what i do <laughs> can anybody ever felt that way i do not understand what i do for what i want to do i do not do but what i hate to do i do and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. Now, notice what it says. But I cannot, say cannot. I cannot carry it out. I love the way the New Living Translation describes verse 14. Listen to this. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I'm too human, a slave to sin. Say this with me. Say, the trouble is with me. Yes, so... Part of understanding this struggle is, is realizing what causes the trub, struggle. And, and the struggle begins because of what we know about the law. There's a standard out there I'm supposed to obey, and it's good. And, and then the struggle continues because of what I know about me. I, 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 I'm a sinner. And then the struggle continues because of what I do. So you've got to ask yourself, do, do you know who you are? My friend Billy here has helped us get Celebrate Recovery going in our church. And, and one of the things about Celebrate Recovery, like Alcoholics Anonymous, is you, you have an opportunity to stand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm Paul. Celebrate Recovery, you might add something like by the grace of God or something pointing to Jesus, but you would then say, I'm an alcoholic or, or, or I'm a drug addict, or, or, or you would acknowledge your need, whatever your hurt, your habit, or your hang-up was. And so part of what we've got to do in this struggle to lean into the struggle, you've got to realize where you are because where you are affects what you do. We struggle because of what we do. Look at verse 18. I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. It's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. That's the inner me. That's me. Remember Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde? But I see another law at work in me, waging war. Against the law of my mind. Remember? How you think? And making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And so what do we do? Paul calls it seizing the opportunity to sin. So sin puts itself before you. And all of a sudden you realize, all right. This is my chance. I can meet my own needs. I can feel better. I I can do this my way. And we blow it. We lose the battle. Again. Such a struggle. We struggle because of what we know about the law. The law is good and it points us to God. We, we struggle because of what we know about us. We, we're sinners. And then we struggle because of what we do. We carry out sin in our life. Even though we know that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, even though we know that he was buried, he rose from the dead, and he lives today so that we might live in newness of life, we still fall short. So what's the, con- what's the conclusion? <laughs> We're a mess. Say this. Say, say, I'm a mess. That's the way I feel. And so how did Paul say that? He didn't say it exactly like that. Look at verse 24. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What a wretched man am I.
0: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910.